Chapter Twenty One of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. John Kendall turned the key upon his dusty workroom in Bryanston Street among the first of those who, according to the papers, depopulated London in July. He had an old engagement to keep, which took him with Carew of the Dial and Limley of the Civil Service to explore and fish in the Norwegian fjords. The project matured suddenly, and he left town without seeing anybody, a necessity which disturbed him a number of times on the voyage. He wrote a hasty line to Janet, returning a borrowed book, and sent a trivial message to Elfrida, whom he knew to be spending a few days in Kensington Square at the time. Janet delivered it with an intensity of quiet pleasure, which she showed extraordinary skill in concealing. "'May I ask you to say to Miss Bell,' seemed to her to be eloquent of many things. She looked at Elfrida with inquiry, in spite of herself, when she gave the message, but Elfrida received it with a nod and a smile of perfect indifference. "'It is because she does not care, does not care an iota.' janet told herself and all that day it seemed to her that elfrida's personality was inexhaustibly delightful afterwards however one or two letters found their way into the sandalwood box bearing the norwegian postmark they came seldomer than elfrida expected enfin she said when the first arrived and she felt her pulse beat a little faster as she opened it she read it eagerly with serious lips thinking how fine he was and with what exquisite force he brought himself to her as he wrote i must be a very exceptionable person she said in her reverie afterwards to have such things written to me i must i must then as she put the letter away she reflected that she couldn't amuse herself with kendall without treachery to their artistic relationship there would be somehow an outrage in it and she would not amuse herself with him she would sacrifice that and be quite frank and simple always so that when it came to pass here elfrida retired into a lower depth of consciousness there would be only a little pity and a little pain and no reproach or regret there was a delay in the arrival of the next letter which elfrida felt to be unaccountable a delay of nearly three weeks she took it with an odd rush of feeling from the hand of the housemaid who brought it up and locked herself in alone with it a few days later driving through bryanston street in a hansom elfrida saw the windows of kendall's studio wide open she leaned forward to realize it with a little tumult of excitement at the possibility it indicated half turned to bid the cabman stop and rolled on undecided presently she spoke to him please go back to number sixty three she said i want to get out there and in a moment or two she was tripping lightly up the stairs kendall in his shirt-sleeves with his back to the door was bending over a pallet that clung obstinately to the hardened round dabs of colour he had left upon it six weeks before he threw it down at elfrida's step and turned with a sudden light of pleasure in his face to see her framed in the doorway looking at him with an odd shyness and silence you spirit he cried 
how did you know i had come back and he held her hand for just an appreciable instant regarding her with simple delight her tinge of embarrassment became her sweetly and the pleasure in his eyes made her almost instantly aware of this i didn't know she said with a smile that shared his feeling i saw the windows open and i thought the woman downstairs might be messing about here they can do such incalculable damage when they really set their minds to it these concierge people so i i came up to interfere but it is you she looked at him with wide happy eyes which sent the satisfaction she found in saying that to his inmost consciousness it was extremely good of you he said and in spite of himself a certain emphasis crept into the commonplace i hardly realize myself that i am here it might very well be the skagerrak outside does the sea in norway sound like that elfrida asked as the roar of london came across muffled from piccadilly she made a little theatrical movement of her head to listen and kendall's appreciation of it was so evident that she failed to notice exactly what he answered you have come back sooner than you intended by a month why she asked her eyes made a soft bravado but that was lost he did not guess for a moment that she believed she knew why he had come it was necessary he answered with remembered gravity in connection with the death of of a relative a granduncle of mine the old fellow went off suddenly last week and they telegraphed for me i believe he wanted to see me poor old chap but of course i was too late oh said elfrida gently that is very sad was it a granduncle you were fond of kendall could not restrain a smile at her earnestness i was in a way he was a good old fellow and he lived to a great age over ninety he has left me all the duties and responsibilities of his estate kendall went on with sudden gloom the lord only knows what i'll do with them that makes it sadder said the girl i should think it did kendall replied their eyes met and they laughed the healthy instinctive laugh of youth when it is asked to mourn fatuously which is always a little cruel i hope said elfrida quickly that he has not saddled you with a title an estate is bad enough but with a title added it would ruin you you would never do any more good work i am sure sure people would get at you you would take to rearing farm creatures from a sense of duty you might go into parliament tell me there is no title how do you know all that kendall exclaimed laughing but there is no title never has been elfrida drew a long sigh of relief and held him with her eyes as if he had just been snatched away from some impending danger so now you are what do you say in this country a landed proprietor you belong to the country gentry in america i used to read about the country gentry in london society all the contributors and all the subscribers to london society used to be country gentry i believe from what i remember they were always riding to hounds and having big christmas parties and telling ghost stories about the family diamonds all very proper 
kendall protested against the irony of her tone oh if one could be quite sure that it will not make any difference elfrida went on clasping her knee with her shapely gloved hands i should like i should like to beg you to make me a promise that you will never give up your work your splendid work she hesitated and looked at him almost with supplication but then why should you make such a promise to me they were sitting opposite one another in the dusty confusion of the room and when she said this kendall got up and walked over to her without knowing exactly why if i made such a promise he said looking down at her it would be more binding given to you than to anybody else more binding and more sacred if she had exacted it he would have promised then and there and he had some vague notion of sealing the vow with his lips upon her hand and of arranging this was more indefinite still that she should always insist in her sweet personal way upon its fulfilment but elfrida felt the intensity in his voice with a kind of fear not of the situation she had a nervous delight in the situation but of herself she had a sudden terror in his coming so close to her in his changed voice and its sharpness lay in her recognition of it why should she be frightened she jumped up gaily with the question still throbbing in her throat no she cried you shall not promise me i'll form a solemn committee of your friends your real friends and we'll come some day and exact an oath from you individually and collectively that will be much more impressive i must go now she went on reproachfully and you have shown me nothing that you've brought back with you is there anything here in her anxiety to put space between them she had walked to the furthest and untidiest corner of the room where half a dozen canvases leant with their faces to the wall kendall watched her tilt them forward one after another with a kind of sick impotence absolutely nothing he cried but it was too late she had paused in her running commentary on the pictures she was standing looking absolutely silent at the last but one she had come upon it she had found it his sketch of the scene in lady halifax's drawing-room oh yes there is something she said at last carefully drawing it out and holding it at arm's length something that is quite new to me do you mind if i put it in a better light her voice had wonderfully changed it expressed a curious interest and self-control in effect that was all she felt for the moment she had a dull consciousness of a blow but did not yet quite understand being struck she was gathering herself together as she looked growing conscious of her hurt and of her resentment kendall was silent cursing himself inwardly for not having destroyed the thing the day after he had let himself do it yes she said placing it on an easel at an oblique angle with the north window of the room it is better so she stepped back a few paces to look at it and stood immovable searching every detail it does you credit she said slowly immense credit oh it is very clever 
forgive me kendall said taking a step towards her i am afraid it doesn't but i never intended you to see it is it an order she asked calmly ah but that would not have been fair not to show it to me first kendall crimsoned i beg he said earnestly that you will not think such a thing possible i intended to destroy it i don't know why i have not destroyed it but why it is so good so charming so so true you did it for your own amusement then but that was very selfish for answer kendall caught up a tube of india red squeezed it on the crusted palette loaded a brush with it and dashed it across the sketch it was a feeble piece of bravado and he felt it but he must convince her in some way that the thing was worthless to him ah she said that is a pity and she walked to the door she must get away quite away and quickly to realize this thing to find out exactly what it meant to her and yet three steps down the stairs she turned and came back again john kendall stood where she had left him staring at the sketch on the easel i have come back to thank you elfrida said quickly for showing me what a fool i made of myself and she was gone an hour later kendall had not ceased to belabor himself but the contemplation of the sketch he had not looked at it for two months brought him to the conclusion that perhaps after all it might have some salutary effect he found himself so curiously sore about it though so thoroughly inclined to call himself a traitor and a person without obligation that he went back to norway the following week a course which left a number of worthy people in the neighbourhood of bigton devonshire very indignant indeed End of chapter twenty one